So these are really crazy days that we live in. They are crazy from a health perspective. We are not out of the pandemic woods yet. It's crazy as we have watched this year emerge since George Floyd with the growing realization that racism is so much more than an American problem. We're wrestling with and beginning to listen to the whole plight of residential schools and indigenous peoples. These are crazy days politically. Where, where do I begin on that front? I mean, I won't point fingers, but there are people and leaders out there who come across like they alone can solve the mess that this crazy world is in, forgetting that there is a God who is alive and well in our world, that he alone is in control. Some of you might remember the story when Jesus stood on trial before a political leader named Pilate. Pilate said to Jesus, don't you realize that I have authority to either set you free or crucify you? And Jesus responded rather candidly, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Friends, there is not a king. There is not a premier. There is not a member of parliament. There is not a prime minister. There is not a police officer, principal, or pastor who has any authority apart from God. And to think that anybody in power would actually think that they have power is, in the end, when you understand the Bible, absolutely absurd. Because the most powerful people on the planet are absolutely nothing compared to our God. Is that not true? Yes, it's a crazy world out there. But our God is still in control. I know, some of you are not so sure about that. You are caught in some part of the craziness right now. COVID is still wrecking havoc with your health. This pandemic has crushed you financially. You're feeling the deep grief of thousands of unmarked graves from residential schools. Some of you don't trust what you hear from government or health officials and you're holding off on vaccinations. Others of you, I mean, homeschooling this past year just stressed you right out. Um, for some of you, work at home stressed you out and was lonely. I could keep going and going and going. It is a crazy world out there. So today, as part of our God Is series, I, I want to look at a guy who thought he could control, he thought he could control a crazy world. He, he was an incredibly arrogant ruler who, who came to believe that he was kind of like a supreme ruler. I mean, up there with God himself. That is until he had an encounter with, with God. Today we're going to take a look at the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. At the time, he was the most powerful person on earth. And again this week, as I give this message, I want to acknowledge Mike Bro, who I grabbed a few ideas from. Now, if you've been around Fort City for any length of time, you'll know that the book of Daniel is one of my favorite Old Testament books. I just love the story of Daniel. And I know many of you like stories of guys like David because he's so messy and, and you love watching God use messy because we're all messy. But Daniel is different and different is good. He is a well-raised, disciplined follower of God. He is a strong leader, a great leader, but he doesn't mess up like David did. He keeps his stuff together and we need to celebrate people who actually with God's help hold their lives together. Now, Daniel, despite being a devoted follower of God who was disciplined in his walk with God, he too encounters a whole bunch of mess that comes from living in a crazy world. The trouble that Daniel finds himself in, however, it isn't his fault. It comes from circumstances beyond his control. And some of it is simply the cost of being a devoted follower of the Lord, his God. Because sometimes it costs to follow Jesus. Sometimes it even hurts 
to follow Jesus. Sometimes being good and doing your best gets you into trouble. But Daniel never wavers in his faith. I mean, even when the world all around him falls apart, Daniel never doubts in the dark what God has taught him in the light. And it got real dark for Daniel. I love Daniel because he has so much to teach us about how to navigate living in a world that has turned against God, that despises biblical morality. The world that Daniel ended up living in is a lot like ours today, a world that rejects the God of the Bible. And then there's King Nebuchadnezzar, who had Daniel kidnapped. Nebuchadnezzar had just overrun and conquered the Old Testament nation of Judah. He sacked and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, he takes captive a group of young men, maybe 18 to 24 years of age, a group of guys who appear to have a lot of talent, physical brawn, and leadership potential that really impresses him. Included in this group was Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys uh, end up serving as wise men or advisors in King Nebuchadnezzar's court. Nebuchadnezzar looked for the best that he could find in Jerusalem to serve him personally in his courts. I mean, I don't know if he had a shortage of capable workers. I don't know. But yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. He, he was a brutal, powerful, ambitious man and very much a brilliant leader. I remember when Saddam Hussein, before his death in Iraq, said that his hero and mentor was Nebuchadnezzar. Evil men love evil men. And today's Iraq is where the Babylonian Empire was centered in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. Anyways, to get to our story, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And nobody in his kingdom, none of his wise advisors, none of his astrologers, none of his supernatural enchanters, none of his magicians, no one can tell him what the dream means. And he doesn't just want them to tell him the meaning of his dream. That's far too easy. I mean, he says, you got to tell me what my dream is. Tell me first and then tell me the interpretation of what the dream is. Because, heck, anyone can make up an interpretation. So tell me what the dream is first and then I'll know that your interpretation is like legitimate. And, of course, his Babylonian advisors all say, you got to be kidding me. Nobody can do that. In response, he goes, well, if you don't tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I'll just have to cut you into pieces and your house, have your houses turned into rubble. Yeah, nice guy, right? But he does have a legitimate point, don't you agree? So the king issues an order to have all of his advisors killed. And that sweeping edict includes Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when they come to Daniel to take his life, Daniel says, hang on a second. Like, is the king in a bad mood or what? I mean, why would he say something like that? I'll, I'll go tell him what his dream means. And so Daniel is talking to the guy who was supposed to take his life into letting him go talk to the king. And I think, you know, this is kind of risky for this guy. I mean, he must really respect Daniel to take this kind of risk. And, it, and evidently, I mean, fear wasn't a factor for Daniel because Daniel just walks into the presence of the king and says, King, let me tell you what your dream means. Daniel says, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mysteries asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And he begins to describe with total accuracy the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. You know, he says, the, the whole statue thing you saw, the statue made out of gold and bronze and silver, and, and it was coming down, toppling over. That means your kingdom is coming down like soon. And I go, Whoa, Daniel, I mean, like, whoa, you, 
You just march in there and, and, and you tell the king, he's going down. You thought you were going to save your life by telling the king, he's going down. Daniel keeps going. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over, their, over them all. You are the head of gold. Did I tell you? I really like Daniel. Some of you know that I like the term gracious barbarian. Well, that's Daniel. He can be gracious, polite, respectful, diplomatic, but at times... He can be bold, pull no punches, tell the truth as it is. He just knew when to speak words from God when everyone else would be afraid. He knew when it was time to be a barbarian and just go for it. And the words of Daniel, it's amazing, but somehow they, they penetrate this proud and stammered king. The words, they get through to Nebuchadnezzar. He recognizes the truth that these are words from God himself. And he's so impressed with Daniel and his interpretation of his dream that he promotes Daniel to a position of great influence. In fact, as time goes on, Daniel eventually becomes second in command in Babylon. It's amazing. It's a God thing. When God calls us to be bold sometimes, God just turns up and uses our bold words powerfully. But hey, make sure that you hear God first before you spout off boldly. Daniel understood that, you know, when and when not to. But then Nebuchadnezzar does something that I've seen people do over and over again. You, you have an encounter with God that just rocks your world. You know that God really did show up in your life, but you still don't fully surrender. You kind of like how life is going for you right now. Yeah, you know that God is real, but you don't let the fact that God is real and powerful like actually interfere with how you live your life. No, no, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God, and I'm pretty sure God will just let me live however I want. So that's Nebuchadnezzar. And can I be so bold as to suggest that that might be some of us here right now uh, in person or watching online? I mean, think about it. You believe, but you're not fully surrendered to Jesus. You want the blessings, but you're not willing to pay the price. And friends, if that's you, I've got to tell you, the price of surrender is nothing in comparison to what you gain. Don't hold back and miss out. I, I urge you to don't hold back. The life you yearn for can be only really found through surrender. Okay, about Nebuchadnezzar. He's a bit of a narcissist. I mean, it, it happens to a lot of world leaders but in this case, just after he acknowledges God with all of those awesome words, he goes and builds a statue of gold. It's a statue of himself, and he orders the people to bow down and worship this golden image of himself. You can call it a golden selfie, okay? And then <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar ordered, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Like, that's just a bit narcissistic, wouldn't you say? Hey, what would you do in that situation? Well, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they just ignore the edict. They don't bow down, and a few people notice. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into this blazing, fiery furnace. Many of you know the story. You know how God miraculously turns up and rescues them from this stinking hot furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar, 
He sees once again the power of God displayed. He sees God most high exercise supernatural intervening power, and he is in awe of God. After this amazing encounter with God most high, Nebuchadnezzar, he kind of puts out a press release. It, it, it goes like this. To the peoples, nations, men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That's awesome, right? But still, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't really fully surrender his life. He'll worship now and then. He loves seeing the miraculous, but... <clears throat> Surrender his life fully over to God? Heck no. He just really doesn't understand. And he doesn't know, understand who God is, what he's up against. And it leads to another dream from God. A dream that terrified him. And a dream that all of his magicians and enchanters and astrologers and diviners could not interpret. And I'm thinking, why didn't he just call Daniel in the first place? He was the only one that could tell him the first dream. And the only reason these other guys are still alive is because Daniel rescued them that day, right? I have a theory. I'm thinking maybe Nebuchadnezzar sent for the other guys first because Nebuchadnezzar really didn't like to hear the truth. I, I mean, the first time Daniel interpreted a dream, it wasn't very nice. So let's let the other guys try first, okay? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. So Nebuchadnezzar begins to describe this dream that he had, a, a freaky dream about a huge tree with all kinds of branches, full of birds, and the tree was cut down, and the only thing left was this stump. And Daniel, he, he gets really rattled at the meaning of the dream. It is not good news for the king. And, and Daniel, amazingly enough, he has come to actually care for, even love this brutal, narcissistic king who doesn't know God personally yet. Friends, all people matter to God. Daniel knows Nebuchadnezzar matters to God. And he sure now matters to Daniel. Some of you, you might have a brutal narcissistic boss or something like that. And you just might learn something from Daniel here. That's just a thought for you to ponder. Remember, this is a king who sacked Jerusalem, overran all of Judah, and took him and all of his buddies from their homeland and families and pressed them into service in a foreign land. But Daniel chooses to make good out of a bad situation, including serving a brutal king and serving him with all of his heart and being. Again, ponder what that might mean for you and your boss. Does a boss have to be good to be loved? Just a thought to consider. And hey... Daniel just choked at telling the king what the dream actually meant. But, but Nebuchadnezzar, he, he sees it and he encourages Daniel just to give him the truth anyway. So Daniel says, this is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the most high God has declared will happen to you. You will be driven from human society and no one will call you your majesty there. There will be no worship of you, no strokes, no applause, no subjects bowing down to you. In fact, you will bow down and you will live your life in fields with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. You're going to wake up every day, not in a warm bed, not in a beautiful palace, but in a field covered with dew. 
Seven periods of time will pass. Seven is the biblical number for completion. Seven periods of times will pass while you will live this way until. Until you learn that the Most High God, not you, rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Friends, our God is in control even when the world looks like it's out of control, even when brutal leaders appear to be in control. And that dream, it came to pass just as Daniel told it. Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. A form of mental illness came over him. He became insane and walked humped over so that he ate grass like a cow. He lived this way, the, the scriptures tell us, until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Nebuchadnezzar lost everything. His kingdom, his palace, his family, his, his, his sanity, all lost in an instant. But remember, he has had these encounters with God. Um, he did start to believe a little bit, but just wouldn't fully bow down to God. He's seen the true God at work powerfully. He's even worshipped this God. And get this, the Spirit of God, when Nebuchadnezzar hit bottom, does not abandon him. Friends, our God does not abandon us when we hit bottom. Check out what happens, because this is awesome. This is our God, our God of grace at work. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how arrogant you are. And quite frankly, this might bother some of us, it doesn't even matter how violent and brutal you've been, how many lives you've destroyed and maybe even murdered. Check this out. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. I acknowledged the Lord God. And my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth is regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? And friends, our God responds to Him. God restores His sanity. He restores his leadership over the Babylonian Empire. He becomes even greater than before. And after all of this, listen to what he says. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Just ask Nebuchadnezzar, right? Wow. Talk about finally getting it right. And the story ends. That's basically the last we know of his 43 years slightly interrupted rule. Nebuchadnezzar gets right with God, and he finishes his reign as a follower of the God of Judah. I mean, how awesome is that? And friends, if a brutal narcissistic guy like Nebuchadnezzar can eventually get his life right with God and, and see it totally turn around, what about you? What about those you love? Heck, what about that brutal boss of yours? Friends, nothing is impossible. Our God is in control. So maybe we should pray a little more and like fully surrender. What do you think? And here's the other side of the story. Here's a challenge for many of us that with God's help, you and I can rise to today. The amazing conversion of King Nebuchadnezzar would never have happened if Daniel, as a believer, had chosen to whine and complain and get all worked up and ticked at God like many of us do when our lives get all messed up. 
Remember, Daniel was taken captive by a foreign army and pressed into serving a brutal, powerful foreign king. He lost his family, his home, everything that represented, everything that was security to him. But with that loss, he still chose to worship the Lord as God. He still chose to trust in the sovereignty of God, that God is alive and well and in control of everything. Our God is in control. And he chose to live a life that honored God when everyone around him was out of control. He even chose to work hard and do the best of his ability with a brutal boss. And because of all that, God used Daniel to lead that boss to faith in the living God. Daniel simply let God use him whatever wherever he happened to be, no matter how good or bad things were. And in this way, Daniel's what I call a gracious barbarian. So what about you? Will you rise to this Daniel challenge or, or will you continue to live in your pain? What about you? Will you let God use you wherever you happen to be? I mean, good circumstances or when life is out of control? And then respectfully, politely, will you speak the truth in love like Daniel did? Will you be that gracious barbarian? You do know that in that relationship with a co-worker, a, a relationship with a supervisor, God could use you to totally transform their lives for the better. God could use you the way he used Daniel in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. God wants to work through you just like he worked through Daniel, if you will just let him. Will you, in the power of the Holy Spirit, rise to the Daniel challenge? What is God saying to you? Are you willing today to finally admit that God really is in control? That he really is God most high? Friends, it's a good day when you can say that. It's a good day when you realize that. That you are no longer in control and that you just let him rule your heart, your mind, your marriage, your job, your relationships, your finances. When you just let God be God most high because... He is, right? Well, would you bow with me for a time of prayer and take the words that I'm about to pray and, and pray them yourself. So, yeah, just take my prayer and turn them into a prayer for yourself personally. Father God, I acknowledge that in this crazy world that you are still in control. Would you acknowledge that before him, that he really is in control? That you are the God who is in control, God most high, the, the sovereign one. And in all my pain and confusion from the craziness of this world, I just lay that all at your feet. And I will choose to worship you despite my circumstances. Today I make a commitment. Today I renew my commitment to, to live my life for you. That no matter what goes on around me, I will serve you. I will honor you. Like Daniel, I commit to being part of your mission to see other people come to know you and be transformed by your love and grace. God, use me. Use me to help another person come to know you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.